Welcome to the Shine Within Podcast. I'm your host, Gina Kunarian, and I am so grateful that you are here. I'm a wife, mother of three boys, certified massage therapist, and an alcohol-free sobriety coach who helps driven women break through their alcohol dependency without the traditional 12-step program. Each week, I will bring you inspiring guests with focus on mindset, health, and spirituality, providing you the tips and tools to help you create unshakable confidence, clarity, and energy so you can unleash your creative potential and live the life of your dreams alcohol-free. So tune in for some fun, and if you are ready to shine, welcome. Hello, lovely listeners. If you're finding value in what you're hearing today, make sure to head over to the show notes. Not only will you find more details on today's topic, but you'll also get an exclusive invitation to join my free Facebook group, Awakened Souls. This community is perfect for women who are either super curious or currently journeying through recovery. Being part of Awakened Souls offers a supportive environment where you can connect with like-minded women, all working towards an alcohol-free lifestyle. Plus... There are special free gifts waiting inside the show notes, (laughs) curated specifically to empower and assist you on your journey. And if you're loving the content, I'd be so grateful if you take a moment to rate this podcast. Your feedback helps me continue bringing you the conversations and insights you love. Let's keep the momentum going. And remember, you are not alone on this journey. I am here to help you every step of the way. Today, I want to talk about pause. What is pause? Pause is the post-acute withdrawal syndrome, and it refers to a set of persistent withdrawal symptoms that occur after the acute withdrawal symptoms have subsided. So basically, you know how we feel nasty after we stop drinking? We get the shakes, we get the nausea, we want to throw up, we want to feel like we want to die. Well, you won't necessarily experience those intense symptoms, but you will start experiencing other things, whether it's psychological, physical, a lot of things actually wind up happening. People can experience mood swings, emotional over overactions or numbness, anxiety and panic attacks, depression, even like difficulty with cognitive tasks, like remembering things, problem solving, even fatigue, sleep disturbances, even physical coordination sometimes. I know I suffered a lot from memory loss and physical coordination. I was very clumsy. I'm already clumsy as it is, but I was extra, extra clumsy. And then you do start craving for alcohol again, of course, because our bodies are used to it. And that's what, that's what we knew. But I just want to let you know that pause, even though it's challenging, and I know it can last up to over a year or even more after we've stopped initially drinking alcohol, but know that it is part of the process and it is part of the journey. And I'm here to help you navigate through this journey as far as how can we overcome pause symptoms? and the withdrawal. So I'm here to help you with that. So what are some coping strategies? What can you possibly do? Well, first and foremost, you must have awareness that pause is part of the process and don't beat yourself up by having these symptoms. It's okay because you're on the road 
to recover. You can always seek professional support, ask questions to a healthcare provider. Um, healthy lifestyle choices. This includes like regular exercise, a balanced diet, adequate hydration, and of course, good sleeping habits. This actually will help your brain and body recover. And these practices will also boost up your, your mood levels, making you feel better. As well as mindfulness and relaxation techniques. I personally love deep breathing. Anyone who knows me knows I breathe every day. Of course, I breathe every day, but I'm saying I breathe <laughs> with yoga, with my meditation. All of those combined really, really helped me. And you can always have social support when you connect with people who are going through the same thing that you're going through or who have gone through it already. There's always cognitive behavioral techniques. You can either work with a therapist or work with a, a professional coach who can help and who specialize in this. That way you're having techniques that will help you manage negative thought patterns and also that will help with your cravings. And of course, there's patience, 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 patience. Remember that recovery is a journey, not a destination. So you have to give yourself grace. Please be patient with yourself. And it's absolutely normal to have good days and bad days. So never, never beat yourself up and just know again, it's part of the process. When I was going through my pause phase, I've I really delved into a lot of different things that helped me cope with it. I really focused on, like I had mentioned before, breathing and meditating. I also uh, have practiced what's called emotional freedom technique. This is EFT or tapping. And I actually know some, some ladies who do it and teach it. So that way you're feeling better. And what tapping is, it's a form of like psychological acupressure that involves tapping on specific body points while you're thinking about your specific problem and voicing positive affirmations. And this not only helps you, you know, with your mindset, but actually helps you manage stress, anxiety, and other emotional challenges that are related to pause. So if you want information on that, I have the women. I do not do that personally, but I know some people who do that. So reach, reach out to me if you're curious about that. Another thing that I absolutely loved and what I appreciate so much is art therapy. When I was in my first rehab in Mountain Vista in California, this is in Northern California, I received a gift from my mother. She was so kind and got me like a coloring book. At first I was like, a coloring book? What is this? But it was fractals. Those beautiful like patterns and designs of shapes and geometric designs that you can go ahead and color in. And believe me, when you throw on some classical music and you take those coloring met pencils and that book and you just get in there, you are in a different state of mind where you're you feel amazing. You actually feel relaxed. You feel soothed and you feel comforted. It's amazing. I would suggest that. And of course, physical activity. I was that 5 a.m.er who went to Orange Theory and I loved, by the way, Orange Theory. I don't go anymore because I have my trainer, but I loved being the first person there, picked my station, which they had like rowing, they had treadmill, and they also had weights. I loved it. And they had awesome music. The trainer was amazing. And you're just there to just get in and get out. You don't socialize too much. You have no time. You're just working out. It's fun. 
And so I, I made sure that I did a lot of physical activity. And then, of course, I made sure I was in support groups, not AA. <laughs> I tried AA, but it didn't work for me. And the support groups that I'm talking about is just ones who have been there with you through the process and understand your friends, your family. Those are my support groups. And of course, like my mentor was my support group as well. So that helps. And of course, journaling. Journaling helps because you're writing your feelings, you're writing your emotions, you're writing everything down. It's like you're talking to yourself, but you're not talking to yourself, but you're talking to yourself. <laughs> Becoming more self-aware of your thoughts and feelings and just your 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 spirit. And of course, the deep breathing I always recommend is hypnobreath work and Wim Hof breathing where you're pausing for a while, holding your breath, getting that resistance, and then letting go. So you're breathing in, hold, and let go. <laughs> Breathe through the belly, into the chest, and out through your mouth, all with your mouth. Trust me, I love it. And becoming part of the spa, in the spa world, aromatherapy helps. Lavender, alang-alang, chamomile. Those scents are very soothing to the soul. Go ahead and just put a little bit right next to your nose. Make sure it's safe to go on your skin. You don't want it to be too potent because you don't want to break out with some type of rash. <laughs> but the aromatherapy is very helpful. If you have an infuser at home, I would strongly suggest getting that because not only does aromatherapy help with the with your with calming of the mind and then the physical body it helps you rest and when you sleep good you wake up good so it's important to remember that each person's experience with pause is unique what works well for one person may not work well for another so it is about finding the right combination of tools and techniques that work best for you the role of healthy lifestyle habits in recovery, adopting healthy lifestyle habits is integral part of the recovery journey from alcohol addiction and dealing with pause. Living a healthy, balanced life can support your recovery in numerous ways. So let's just talk about physical health first. Hello? <laughs> like I mentioned, you gotta exercise. Get those endorphins going. There's no other better feeling than when you feel naturally high, way better than from drugs or alcohol. I'm going to tell you that right now. Also, your mental health is very important. So doing like those meditation practices helps with clarity and decreases stress. When I say increases your mood, it improves your mood. <laughs> and then resilience building, establishing daily routine is vital and important and it is a necessity anybody who knows me knows that a schedule is mandatory anyone who works with me knows that their schedule is mandatory <laughs> they must have a schedule and also incorporating different healthy lifestyle habits in your daily routine can be valuable tool to relapse prevention when your body and mind are well cared for, you are better equipped to handle triggers and cravings and reduce the risk of relapse. 
Nutrition plays a vital role in recovery from alcohol addiction and the management of pause. And here's why. Chronic alcohol consumption can lead to various health issues like heart disease, malnutrition, and liver disease. And a good balanced diet provides the nutrients your body needs to heal and repair damaged tissues. Good nutrition supports a healthy immune system, making it so much easier for your body to fight off those infections and diseases, which can be particularly beneficial during this type of process. Certain nutrients like the omega-3 fatty acids, B vitamins, and antioxidants play a big role in supporting brain health. They also improve the cognitive function and also regulate your mood. Balanced meals can help regulate blood sugar levels, reducing those cravings for alcohol. Eating enough protein, complex carbohydrates, and healthy fats can also preventing overeating or the desire to fill up on unhealthy foods. Trust me, when I was in rehab, I wanted sugar nonstop because my body was detoxing all of that alcohol. So that was a very <laughs> that was very difficult because I didn't have any vitamins or anything that would help me regulate my my sugar levels. <laughs> I just had to I just had to pray. Remember that foods rich in complex carbohydrates, lean protein, fiber, and healthy fat provide sustained energy. While foods rich in tryptophan, you know, like that turkey we have during Thanksgiving that makes us sleepy, <laughs> and bananas can also increase the production of serotonin. So make sure you eat a diet rich in fiber and fermented foods because it promotes a healthy gut, supporting overall health and, of course, well-being. This is where you want to grab a piece of paper and a pen because I'm about to give you the list of the best foods to eat. <clears throat> now remember, you want to make sure you drink plenty of water to stay hydrated. And of course, warm water aids in detoxification. So if you sip warm water throughout the day, you are detoxifying all that nasty junk in your body. So while these foods are generally beneficial, of course, I always say individual nutritional needs can vary. So let's start with lean proteins. These are foods like chicken, turkey, fish, eggs, tofu, and legumes. They are an excellent source of protein. They can help repair tissue damage by alcohol misuse and keep you feeling satisfied. Next is whole grains. Foods like brown rice, oatmeal, and whole wheat bread are packed with complex carbohydrates that provide sustained energy and help regulate blood sugar levels, reducing cravings. Of course, fruits and vegetables, these provide a wealth of vitamins, minerals, and antioxidants that support overall health, boost the immune system, and aid the body's healing process. And then we have healthy fats, foods like avocados, which I'm eating right now, <laughs> nuts, seeds, and oily fish like salmon provide essential fatty acids that support brain health and improve your mood. Probiotic-rich foods like yogurt, sauerkraut, kimchi, and other fermented foods can help restore a healthy gut, which can be, of course, disrupted by alcohol use. Hydrating foods. Now, these are foods with high water content like cucumbers, watermelon, oranges, and berries. They help and maintain hydration. And then nutrient-dense snacks like nuts, seeds, fruit, yogurt can provide quick, nutrient-rich 
energy and keep blood sugar levels stable. And don't forget about those herbs and spices. These can provide antioxidants and anti-inflammatory benefits, especially turmeric. It has been shown that that actually reduces inflammation and ginger, so good, can aid in digestion. Now I'm going to tell you why movement matters. Boosts moods, reduces cravings, improves sleep, enhances brain health, promotes self-care, and strengthens the body. Now it's important to find physical activities that you enjoy. As you become more likely to stick with them, obviously. This could be anything from walking, cycling, yoga, dance, to even team sports. And remember, I want you to make sure you start off slowly, gradually increasing your activity levels as you strengthen your endurance and then you get better. And always listen to your body. If you're feeling exhausted or unwell, it's okay to rest and take a rest day. Recovery is not a race and taking care of yourself is the most important thing that you can do. As always, it's a good idea to consult with a healthcare professional before starting a new exercise routine, especially during recovery. Now I want to talk about mindfulness. What is mindfulness? In its simplest form, it is the practice of bringing one's attention to the present moment in a non-judgmental way. And also, you want to see how you observe your thoughts, your feelings, sensations, and also the surrounding environment without trying to change them or label them as good or bad. Now, by focusing on this present moment, mindfulness helps you break away from negative thought patterns that can fuel stress and anxiety. It creates a relaxation response, lowering the heart rate, blood pressure, and helping calm the mind and body. It also helps you become more aware of your emotions and how to manage them effectively. This heightened emotional awareness can be particularly beneficial in dealing with mood swings. Now, once you have a more understanding of mindfulness and yourself and your patterns and your thoughts and your behaviors, this can also help recognize certain triggers and early warnings of signs that can potentially lead to relapse. And also mindfulness encourages acceptance of your current situation, feelings and experiences. This acceptance can be especially helpful during challenging moments of pause, fostering patience and reducing frustration. And regular mindfulness practice is linked to improving physical mental health and better sleep and reduce stress levels and improve cognitive functioning. Of course, equals overall well-being. It can be cultivated in various activities, including meditation, mindful eating, walking, yoga, or simply focusing fully on the task at hand. And of course, it's like a muscle. The more you use it, the stronger it becomes. So incorporating mindfulness into your recovery journey can create a sense of peace and balance, making it easier to navigate the ups and downs of pause and life in sobriety. So what are some mindfulness practices here? Breathing exercises, mindful observation. Now, this is where you actually go ahead and pick something around you and focus on it for a minute or two, noting its color, its texture, light, and other details. This will help you bring your attention to the present moment. There's also something called body scan. Now, this involves paying attention to different parts of your body starting from the toes and then moving it up to your head 
<laughs> As you focus on each part, notice any sensations, tension, or discomfort. This can help ground you in the present moment and promote relaxation. Now, I've done this before, and it is called biofeedback, and I loved it. Of course, there's practice gratitude, where you want to take a few minutes each day to write down things that you are grateful for. This simple practice can actually shift your focus from negative thoughts and feelings to positive ones. Of course, boosting your mood. One thing that I love doing is I will time myself. First thing I wake up, I am grateful for one thing, right? And then I take my cell phone. No, I don't look at Facebook. I don't look at Instagram. I don't look at my email. I will go to the timer. I will time myself one minute. And in one minute, I will say what I am grateful for. All of the things I am grateful for. And you can even check out some mindfulness apps. There are many of them available, such as Headspace, Calm, or Insight Timer. They offer guided meditations and mindful mindfulness exercises. And, you know, there's some for beginners and there's some for more of the advanced. Next, I want to talk about CBT methods. What is CBT? This is what I was talking to you about earlier, the cognitive behavioral therapy. CBT is a form of psychological treatment that helps us understand how our thoughts and feelings influence our behaviors. So I want to go ahead and give you a few techniques. There's thought records. Now this involves identifying a negative thought, then analyzing the evidence for and against it, and then creating a balanced thought. <laughs> it actually helps you realize how often your thoughts may be skewed negatively, and you'd be surprised. And then there's something called behavioral experiments. Put yourself to the test. <laughs> These challenge negative thoughts by testing them out in real life. So let me give you an example. If a person believes they're not good enough to socialize, they then may actually arrange a social gathering, step out of the box, step out of their comfort zone, and then next they'll pay attention to any positive feedback they receive. And then there's something called graded exposure. This is about gradually facing fears instead of avoiding them. A person who lists their fears and they can go ahead and list them from like the most anxiety provoking and then gradually start facing them while using other CBT techniques to manage their anxiety. Adequate sleep is crucial for our mental health. Try to maintain a regular sleep pattern, creating even a nighttime routine. Pray, be comfortable, and rest well. Use an eye mask and use some aromatherapy. Another thing is expressive outlets. Creative activities can provide an outlet for expressing feelings and can be therapeutic. You can either consider writing, painting, dancing, or playing a musical instrument. I had this lady on my podcast who did expressive embodiment art, where it was like theater, theatrical, but yet they were expressing their emotions, letting it all out, whether it was sad, happy, angry, just become that expressive self on stage. So if you want information on that, I can connect you to the lady. And of course, there's positive social interactions. This is when you spend time with supportive friends and family join a support group, engage in activities you enjoy. These are social connections that can significantly impact your well-being because you don't want to be around those people who create a negative feeling around you. You want good vibes. 
not bad ones. And of course, there's relaxation techniques. Techniques like deep breathing, massage, listening to calm music. All of these things can help with reducing stress and promoting feelings of relaxation. Now, coping with stress, anxiety, and cravings. Of course, I'm going to go back to deep breathing. You know, deep breathing. This is slow breathing techniques. There's also progressive muscle relaxation, PMR. This technique involves tensing and then relaxing different muscle groups. It helps promote relaxation and reduce feelings of anxiety right away. And then there's mindful craving coping. So if you are experiencing a craving and you're ready to go for that bottle and you see it and you're like, oh, I'm going to go and get it, I want you to take a moment to observe it without judgment and notice where your body, you feel it what it feels like, and watch it rise and fall. This mindfulness can actually help you manage cravings by changing your relationship with them. So remember, consistency is the key with these practices. The more you use them, the more instinctive they will become. Also, when it comes to a balanced lifestyle, make sure you do check in with yourself regularly. It is also about setting boundaries, knowing your limits, and prioritizing self-care. When you check, check in with yourself, I want you to take time each day to assess how you're feeling. How am I feeling physically? How am I feeling emotionally? And how am I feeling mentally? Recognize any signs of imbalance like fatigue, mood swings, anxiety, and then go ahead and address them. Make sure to regularly engage in activities that contribute to your physical, emotional, and mental wellness. And you always want to seek support when needed. Never hesitate to seek help if you're struggling to maintain balance. This could be from trusted friends and family or even a mental health professional. Remember, balance doesn't mean making every aspect equal in terms of time or energy. Instead, it's about giving each aspect the attention it needs for you to feel healthy and fulfilled. Balance looks different for everyone, and what works for you might change over time. The key is to stay in tune with your needs and adjust accordingly. One big thing that has helped me is structure. It is the backbone of successful recovery. By creating a well-defined schedule, we provide ourselves a sense of purpose, direction, and stability. Each planned activity or task becomes a stepping stone towards healing, keeping potential triggers and idle time at bay. It is the ability to bounce back from difficult situations. It's about dealing with adversity and still being able to function and progress. In the context of recovery, it means the ability to persist despite the setbacks, despite the temptations, and despite that emotional distress. Resilient people tend to be more optimistic. They can actually see beyond the immediate hardships and focus on the long-term rewards of sobriety, which can provide a significant boost of motivation. And life is filled with changes and uncertainties. Resilience allows you to adapt to these changes, making it less likely that they'll throw you off in essence, resilience is not just about getting back up when you're knocked down. It's about learning, growing, and becoming stronger from your hardships that you encounter. How do we maintain resilience? Embrace the change. Understand that change is a part of life. 
Accepting situations that can't be controlled can help you focus on circumstances you can alter. Of course, self-care, take care of that mind and body of yours. Eat healthy, engage with physical activity that you get happy from. Get enough sleep and practice mindfulness. This will help you stay physically and mentally strong. Cultivate that optimism, establish those goals. Having something to work towards can provide a sense of purpose and direction, making challenges feel so much more manageable. And nurture those connections because a strong support network is critical. Foster those relationships with friends and family who uplift and encourage you and seek help. Never think that seeking help is a sign of weakness. It is actually a sign of strength. Don't hesitate to reach out to anyone for help. Coaches like myself, even therapists and counselors are here to help you and provide the tools to help you deal with stress. So that way you can increase that resilience and continue learning, learn, 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 go where you grow. The shift in mindset can make obstacles seem less daunting and more like opportunities to grow. Cultivating that gratitude. This also shifts your focus from negative aspects to positive elements in your life, boosting that mood and resilience. And resilient people are often flexible in their thinking and can adapt to new circumstances quickly. Practice being open to new ideas and willing to modify your plans when necessary. And have self-compassion. Be kind to yourself when you're struggling. Treat yourself with the same kindness and understanding you would give to a friend in the same situation. Remember, resilience doesn't mean you won't experience difficulty or distress. It's about having the mental fortitude to manage and bounce back from difficulties. Get ready to fall in love with yourself. I want to talk about confidence because a strong sense of self is critical in the recovery journey. First, I'm going to talk about tackling self-doubt. Pay attention to how you talk to yourself. Are you saying negative things to yourself like, oh, I'm fat, I'm not good enough, oh, I'll never stop drinking, oh, I am not worth anything? Pay attention. You'd be surprised how much negative self-talk we have amongst ourselves. So you want to begin by becoming aware of your integral dialogue. When self-doubt arises, challenge and counteract those thoughts with positive affirmations. Just tell yourself, stop. No, I am not going to talk to myself that way. And repeat phrases like, I am capable. I can handle this. I am enough. And the more you say it, the more you actually start feeling it, and the more you feel it, the more you'll believe it. And that's when true self-talk comes in place is when you start talking good to yourself, not bad, but good. So remember to aim to not suppress doubts, but to foster a more balanced perspective. And you want to make sure you celebrate your achievements. I don't care how small they are, you're worth celebrating. Take time to recognize and celebrate your achievements no matter how small they are. This will reinforce that you are capable and this also helps you build your confidence in your abilities that you can do it. And you want to make sure you focus on strengths. Everybody has unique strengths. I don't care how you feel about yourself. If you have the lowest self-esteem, you know what? You have strength. And by identifying them and focusing on them, rather than comparing yourself, saying this person has so much never, 
ever compare yourself to anybody because everybody is so beautifully gifted and beautifully created by the image of God. You are beautiful. You have special gifts that nobody else can ever, ever have. Why? Because you are only one person. You are you. So how do we cultivate a positive self-image? Well, one thing you can do is practice self-care. And this includes discipline. How much is discipline when we actually start caring for ourselves? We will become more disciplined because we love ourselves that much. <laughs> Regular self-care promotes a positive self-image. This could include, of course, eating healthy, regular physical activity, proper rest, and taking time each day and doing the activities that you enjoy doing. And of course, being disciplined. Self-compassion. This is where you want to practice being kind to yourself, saying nice things to yourself, rewarding yourself, recognizing the good that you're doing, the change that you're, that you're making. Treat yourself with some kindness, respect, and understanding that you would actually treat a friend. Treat yourself that way. And gratitude practice. Always, always going to be talking about gratitude. It's the most important thing you can do in your day is be grateful for what you have. The littlest things. I actually was able to brush my teeth today. Sounds so small, right? But I'm grateful for that. Start a daily gratitude journal. Write down three things you appreciate about yourself each day. This can help you shift your focus from negative self-perception to recognizing your worth and qualities. Boosting assertiveness and social skills. Now we got to practice our communication skills and I love communication skills. I had horrible communication skills. I was selfish. I wanted everyone to hear what I had to say, but I didn't want to hear what anyone else had to say. Assertiveness training. Practice expressing your needs and wants clearly and respectfully. Start role-playing scenarios with a friend or loved one and use guided assertiveness exercises Active listening. This skill is vital in social interactions. It involves focusing entirely on the speaker, showing empathy and providing thoughtful responses. But only if they want the response. Sometimes they just want to be heard. And just go ahead and smile and nod your head and just little, little phrases like, I understand, I see, oh wow. That's all they want. And start joining social groups, join clubs, groups, or even online communities that will align to your interests. A great one that I love when I was a new mother in 2008 was meetup.com. I found mommy groups and I met wonderful women that I still have relationships with to this day. It also can provide a safe and comfortable space to practice and improve your social skills. Get out of your comfort zone. Start hanging out with people that you thought you would never hang out with and you'd be surprised how much of a connection you actually do have and how much in common you do have. It's crazy, but you got to just try it. Loving yourself, trust me, loving yourself is not selfish. Practice loving yourself today. Practice self-acceptance. This means accepting your strengths, accepting your weaknesses, everything about you except. Like I said before, you're only one person and you're so uniquely made in the image of God. You don't even understand how incredible and how capable you are. 
And that is a sign of a good mentor, by the way, is when people can see your potential and you can, which you can't even see for yourself. Because for me, whenever I see my clients, I see way above what they see for themselves because I know who they are. So you want to make sure you acknowledge that everyone has flaws. Hey, I still have flaws to this day. I am not perfect but it doesn't define your worth. And start affirming positive things to yourself and let it be true to you. Because once you know it to be true to you, you'll see magic happen afterward. And love yourself so much that you are able to set boundaries. This is so important. I've talked about this in my last masterclass. The boundaries are necessary for you to grow. Sometimes you have to say no in a loving way, in a compassionate way, not in a smart alecky way, but it's okay. Don't be a yes, ma'am. You can say no. And by setting healthy boundaries, it is a big way to have people start respecting your needs. Remember, this journey is about progress, not perfection. You want to make sure you celebrate each step you take towards fostering a positive self-image overcoming self-doubt, and improving your assertiveness and social skills. You are doing an incredible job, and each step brings you closer to falling in love with yourself. Have you created a personalized toolkit? Have you ever? By creating a personalized coping toolkit can significantly enhance your ability to handle future challenges. Now, in this toolkit, it is essential to have a collection of both physical and mental resources you can turn to when you need support or are feeling stressed or feeling overwhelmed. I want to go ahead and share with you what you can do to build your personal physical toolkit. One thing you can always do is have mindfulness aids. Now these can include anything from scented candles, soothing music, soft blanket, anything that appeals to your senses that help so you feel grounded and something that you enjoy and that you love and get your mind off certain things that are negative. Another thing you can do and have are physical activities. So note down a list of physical activities that make you feel good. Walking, dancing, yoga, stretching, any form of physical activity. These activities help release endorphins, which are natural mood lifters. Don't forget my favorite, healthy snacks, because I love eating, <laughs> especially chocolate. <laughs> hey, watch the sugar though, watch the sugar. Eating healthy snacks can also help regulate your mood and keep those energy levels steady. Another thing is comfort items. This could be your favorite book, photographs of like loved ones or like special memories you've had in the past, or even cherished mementos. These can provide comfort during stressful times. And don't forget your journal. I always have mine with me in my backpack when I'm going places. Writing can be, of course, a powerful tool for exploring your feelings, fears, and hopes. It can also help you track progress, write down your achievements, and even the areas that you want to improve in. Now, with your mental and emotional toolkit, huh? You can go ahead and include breathing techniques, meditation, affirmations, visualizations, 
support network, you have a list of people, self-care practices, and mindset shifting techniques. This is something that I call reframing the mind. So you wanna develop techniques that help you shift from a negative to a positive mindset. It can be thinking of three things you are grateful for or remembering a happy memory. So your toolkit is unique to you. It will evolve as you grow, change, and discover more about what genuinely makes you happy and what genuinely helps you. The key is to make sure that your coping toolkit is easily accessible and filled with the things that are calming and empowering for you. Remember, the goal is to build resilience, maintain balance, and prepare for future challenges. Now, all this information that I just had given you is not going to be your self-help that's going to turn into shelf help, okay? I am all about action. You all know me, hopefully, that I mean action. <laughs> Remember, we are the authors, the creators, uh, the producers, the directors of our story. And don't forget, yes, we are the main character of our story. So yes, action, action. <laughs> Taking action steps in sobriety is vital because it ensures continuous growth and healing. While the decision to be sober is definitely powerful, sustained sobriety requires intentional daily effort. Each action step, no matter how small, reinforces our commitment, helps build resilience against potential triggers, and empowers us to lead a fulfilling life free from the change of addictions. So I actually have my favorite action steps. I had listed them here. <laughs> I have them in front of me all the time because this is what I always do. First, I create a vision board. I created a vision board because it captures my dreams, my aspirations. I use words, I use images and symbols that resonate with my goals. So try that. Number two, I've created what's called SMART goals. Now these are specific, measurable, achievable, and relevant, and time-bound. So these are goals for your continued recovery journey. So for each goal, describe what success looks like and how you plan to achieve it. Number three, daily intentions. For me, each day, I set one intention that aligns with my goal. It can be as simple as like, I will express gratitude today, or I will be kind today, or I will engage in some type of physical activity for today. Make sure you have an intention and set it. Number four, accountability plan. Determine how you will hold yourself accountable for these goals. It can be through weekly check-ins with an accountability partner, a journal, or you can just check in with yourself. <laughs> You're, you want yourself to become your best friend. You want your mind rooting for you. Your cheerleader is what I always say. Number five, a celebration. A celebration plan. Decide how you will celebrate when you reach each goal. Celebrations are a vital part of the process as they acknowledge your progress and keep you motivated. And number six, obstacle plan. Because Trust me, we all will have obstacles. Welcome to the planet Earth. We are here to struggle. We are here to be challenged. We are here to still overcome anything. 
Anticipate potential obstacles and devise strategies to overcome them. Knowing how to handle setbacks can keep you resilient and focused on your goals. Now I have some exciting news to share with you all. I have decided to create a new offering. So yes, I know I have my six months one-on-one -on -one coaching and yes, I know I have my mini course, but I wanna welcome you to my Shine Full Day VIP Awakening. This intensive one-day event is tailor-made for women who are sober curious or in recovery from alcohol addiction. This isn't your average coaching session. This is a deep dive exploration into the essence of your journey towards sobriety and self-empowerment. Throughout this immersive experience, I'll be there as your personal guide sharing the strategies and insights that have helped countless other women reclaim their lives from alcohol. You'll have the chance to delve deep into your own motivations and strengths, uncovering the inner resources you need to make lasting, meaningful changes. The Shine Full Day VIP Awakening is more than just a program. It's an opportunity for transformation. You'll end the day with a deeper understanding of your own journey, a clear vision of your sober future, and a comprehensive strategy to help you get there. This is your chance to truly shine. So I want to welcome you to hop on a call with me so you can learn more about this beautiful offering that I have available to you. I will leave the link in the show notes and I just cannot wait to meet you. Thank you again for allowing me to share this wonderful, useful information to help you get through pause and to help you, you build a healthier lifestyle. God bless you all. Love you. To my cherished listeners, from the very depths of my heart, thank you. Every single one of you who've showered me with those warm five-star reviews, your kindness shines so brightly. And if you haven't yet, know that your voice and support always matter. Your unwavering love has lifted us onto Feedspot's esteemed list of best women's sobriety podcasts. And it truly warms my heart. With immense love and care, I've created something for you as well. Introducing the Overcoming Challenges mini course, crafted especially with the intention to guide and support you through life's varied phases, because we all deserve gentle guidance as we navigate life's tides. Furthermore, I have two heartfelt gifts for our listener family. One is a seven-day challenge, a tender beginning for those curious about sobriety, and the other, a personal sharing from my journey, six-step blueprint to an alcohol-free life. This encapsulates the loving steps I took, I embraced beyond AA and the traditional 12 steps that have nurtured my own sobriety journey. To embrace these tokens of gratitude and love, simply text GIFT, that's G-I-F-T, to 1-855-649-6196. Again, that's G-I-F-T at 1-855-649-6196. With all my love and deepest gratitude, I cherish each and every one of you.